The Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every week from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Comment, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Climber. Kevin! <laughs> Chris, this feels weird. It's Wednesday instead of Tuesday. Or well, morning, it, Monday night, too. It is Wednesday instead of Tuesday, and Kevin, I did not add Kevin O'Controversy because... <sighs> I watched NBA Desktop last oh, week. Boy, yeah, I did, and seemed to be that on NBA Desktop with the great Jason Concepcion, they kind of caught you in maybe nope. a little bit of nope. a lie about nope. the gate nope. at Oracle Arena. Maybe nope. a little bit of a lie. No, nope. not not not. I told the whole story, one hundred percent the truth. No, no exaggeration. No anything. It's all the truth. The story is the truth because you know what? If you go back to the original podcast, one of the pieces of evidence that they used was when I said, quote, no gate. The full quote is no gate to go through. And I clarified that when recording the video with Gons that there's a little white, white button to push or whatever that you that like it didn't work for me. Um, it's very, very, very disappointing to be to have my uh, my story on trial on NBA desktop and everywhere else on NBA Twitter from Jason Concepcion of NBA desktop, which by the way is my favorite show. I love NBA desktop. So it, it especially hurts that, <laughs> that my story is being put, put on trial, but I'm trying to find the security footage. Now that the Warriors parade is done, they won the championship. Now I'm, I'm pushing the Oracle arena people Warriors PR to help me out finding the security footage because you know what? Apparently, I just want to embarrass myself more by showing the actual footage if I can get it. I want to get it. We need that footage very badly. And one of the repercussions of your lie about the story was (laughs) Shay Serrano. Um, guilty you know, guilty she, until proven innocent, apparently, right? Shea Serrano <laughs> has long tried to tell everyone that you are a snake. And so, you no, know, no, and I've defended you at every turn. He says snake. He, he doesn't use snake for me. Eh, kind of a snake, yeah. He doesn't use he, he use he uses snake for Tate. I feel like he's he kind of thrown you and Tate Frazier in the same boat. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> like that you're you're not to be trusted, and yeah. uh, as a general premise, and and there we have it. And I there I, I so you say you're disappointed with desktop. Think about me. I've defended you at every turn, no. and there I am. And people are hitting me up. They're like, maybe Shay was right about Kevin, and I'm like, well, <sighs> you know, you know what? I think this speaks to a a larger issue in society where these television programs, these news programs, people just believe everything that they see on TV. Everything, I, I I truly believe that's oh. what's happening here. Well, then you should have hit. Then you should have to a greater issue. <laughs> you should have hit uh, NBA desktop with fake news. Then fake news. Nah, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do everything in my power to get the security footage. <laughs> Fair enough. And then I'm going to storm into the NBA desktop offices with those tapes and say, "Here they are." I can't wait. Proof. Um, all right, let's talk about what happened. Uh, well, yesterday there was a parade, and one of your tweets that went out was, weirdest championship parade ever? It very well may have been. And the amount of alcohol that was seemingly consumed by the Golden State Warriors over the course of 48 hours is rather impressive, and I think only... um only defeated by Alexander Ovechkin from the Washington Capitals, which it's like I, like almost a week since they won, and I still see pictures of him drunk somewhere. <laughs> it was, I mean, look, that whole parade, I mean, not the, not the parade itself. I don't care about the the actual parade, but like the, the, the talk afterwards, like that was really weird. I mean, like it seemed like they were just really prodding KD. It, it was super passive aggressive um, against him. It was just... Odd, like that Bob Myers comment. But look, I'm sure it, it came off differently than how he intended it. But like the comment followed up, like Katie, you know, I think Bob Fitzgerald, the announcer, said pretty much that Katie can get whatever he wants with contract negotiations. Then Bob Myers is like, no, not him, because he's not an original warrior like Stephen Curry is. It was just what. Seriously, it it just, it just spoke to all the weirdness kind of surrounding that situation and the uncomfortability um, with KD being added to the seventy three and nine 
regular season win team that nearly won the NBA Finals had it not been for a couple uh, Stephen Curry turned ankle, Draymond Green suspension, a couple weird rotation choices by like Steve Kerr playing Festus Azili, Andrew Bogut getting hurt. They would would have won four straight, and they they have added KD. Um, very awkward. Okay, so the other thing that was awkward was after the game, the quotes that came out, I believe it was Mark Spears that reported, and David West said something to the effect, uh, he talked about all of the behind the scenes stuff that nobody will ever know. And then he like went on to say like, and we don't have rats in our locker room, so nobody will ever know. But if people knew what went on this season, you know, they wouldn't believe it. I'm paraphrasing here, but that was basically the gist of what he said. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you know, kind of like the amount of drama that evidently went on and it couldn't help but make me insanely curious about what kind of drama David West was speaking to, right? Yeah. I mean, every team goes through its own, you know, type of adversity, whatever it is that happened behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, every every team has trials and tribulations over the course of the season. It just so happens for the Warriors, um, they have two of the best players on the planet, two of maybe the 20 NBA NBA's best players ever in Durant and Stephen Curry when it's all said and done. Um, so those those issues don't really... Uh, they they don't t- they don't tip the scales for the product on the court because everything okay. goes through stuff off the court. Here 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 is the exact quote. So, so let me get this right. All right, Mark Spears was the reporter, and it said Warriors forward David West says there was a lot going on behind the scenes that people will be shocked about when it comes out. I'm ready to be shocked. I'm ready to be shocked too. <laughs> I, I'm ready for it. I'm sure it'll, it'll sure it'll trickle out eventually. You know, when when they when they write their book telling telling about the error the Warriors won three out of four years. Um, yeah, it'll come out eventually. But uh, again, like I said, like every team goes through stuff. Like that's not unique to them. They they go through team meetings and fights and arguments. Like there's family stuff that can affect teams. Who knows? But the point is, is that like it still doesn't change the fact that on the court they have two of the best. And then two other guys that are pretty spectacular in today's league, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson as well. Okay, so we expect them to run it back next year. I saw Tom Haberstroh put up a stat this morning that was rather incredible, that they just completed the best four-year run in NBA history. Their record through this year um, regarding the last four years was 265-63 and 63 for an 808 um, winning percentage. 265 and 63. I mean, just seeing that on paper is just preposterous. Pretty, you know? pretty good, man. Pretty yeah, good. So, so, and you expect them to, you know, they'll make the the minor tweaks to the roster. Obviously, every roster changes with an offseason, but that they will have, you know, they've got their squad, right? And it has uh, reaped it, it, tremendous benefits for them. What may change is the rest of the league. And two, Major, major players, not the least of which is, of course, LeBron James. Most people expect him to change jerseys next year. Now, you reported that LeBron James would be willing to hear pitches from the Cavs, Philly, Houston, and the Lakers. And I was actually, uh, I was trying to pull up the odds of where, uh, where like sports books are putting LeBron James going and and everything has been rather fluid at one point I remember a couple of weeks ago I believe Houston was there at the top but now it is the Lakers that are at the top and they in fact in this uh I believe it was odd shark that I was reading they referenced your report and so you may be moving you may be moving lines here um, just about how uh, just about how these are the teams that he's going to talk to because it it stands to reason that the top four teams that are the favorites to land LeBron James. Oh, yeah, I see that now. That's funny. Are, <laughs> it's like it's as if like nobody else has reported that those teams. Sam Amick was the first to report in Houston back in December. I don't know. <laughs> they gave a shout out to you. It says, "Thank, um, thank you, Odd Shark." <laughs> okay. Well, if you're looking at That's it, funny. it says Philly number one. Or, I'm sorry, Lakers number one, Philly second, then Houston, then Cleveland. Do you buy that as the odds, like in terms of order in, and, and what you think is most likely? I mean, this is what people can go bet on. Um, I've kind of always thought that he was going to be in L.A. You see some of these stories every once in a while. Um, I believe it was Gary Payton or somebody like that said last week that, 
you know, LeBron James' kid is already committed to playing basketball next year in Los Angeles. We know he's got the houses out there. Um, you know how much his <laughs> and, and, and the business interests for sure, right? You know how much he's he's into this being an executive producer and whatever else. Um, so, I, so LA is the prohibitive favorite. Do you buy Philly as the second favorite in terms of where you think if you were to be if if the story comes out, LeBron James is signing with. Do you view that as the correct order in terms of what your level of surprise would be? Yeah, I think I think those are pretty good odds for sure. I think Lakers certainly uh, it's the easiest path for them to create max cap space and add other pieces, whether it's through the form of a signing like through a Paul George or whether it's through flipping a Lonzo Ball attached to a Luol Deng contract or Brandon Ingram. Whatever it may be, the path for the Lakers is not difficult to build a contending team. With the Sixers, it's pretty easy as well. They can create max cap space if they want. The question with that is the fit. Um, adding LeBron James to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Can Joel Embiid stay healthy? Um, how, how, what stage is Ben Simmons at? Um, and then with Houston, it's, it's difficult uh, to, to make it happen. Um, so for them being third, I think that's fair just because of the salary cap hurdles Daryl Morey's going to have to leap over um, to make it happen. And then with Cleveland, like they need to overhaul their roster. Didn't LeBron hint at it, Chris? You know, when, when he said, you know, we need to play with smart players to beat Golden State. It's not just the talent. It's the basketball IQ. Um, so Cleveland, if Cleveland brings LeBron back, their roster is going to look completely different next season. So I think for them being fourth is fair. And then after that, Celtics and Spurs, then Clippers, Warriors, Heat. Uh, I think Spurs... Um, they're interesting. Like I, I don't think you can ever count them out. I don't think they'll get LeBron, um, but you can never count them out because of Greg Popovich. If you get in a room with him, maybe he can sway you. But I, I still think the Lakers are the, are the team. Well, and it also is affecting what the championship odds are because while Golden State is the favorite to win next year's champion, you know they release odds right after the season's over. The order of that goes Golden State, Houston, Philly, Boston, Lakers. So clearly the Lakers and that number being the fifth highest favorite um, to win the NBA championship next year is a 100% hedge on LeBron going there. Yeah, for right? sure. Because otherwise they're nowhere close to having championship odds that you may feel like betting on. You know, the weird thing is with the Lakers, Chris, and, and I'm not sure if this podcast will drop before the video or not, but we we did a video last night, uh, me, Chris Ryan, and Danny Child talking about like the latest rumors um, in the draft, uh, related to the draft. And one of the ones that, that I mentioned on there is that I've heard that the Lakers are um, looking to either add a pick in the middle of the first round or trade up from the 25th pick into the middle of the first round for um, to draft the player that they're targeting. Zaire Smith is the name that I've heard um, that they're very high on. So if that's true, that would uh, I've also heard that like that would mean adding salary. That that would mean like they have a willingness to add salary this summer. Like R- Ramona Shelburne has reported before that they would be willing to add salary this summer and then pursue free agents in 2019. Like that Ramona reported that before. I heard that again this week. Um, if that's true, like that, that they could still create max cap space for just LeBron. It would be they wouldn't be able to add another guy unless like they were trading a different salary. Like if they were dumping a dumping a Lonzo Ball in a bigger trade or Brandon Ingram in a bigger trade to create the two max slots. Anyway, it's it's all very complicated. It se- it seems to me that you know everything is probably on the table for the Lakers. They're remaining they're remaining flexible, um, but they also can't put everything into LeBron coming to LA because they obviously have to know the possibility that he wants to join forces with Ben Simmons and Philadelphia have an easier path to the finals and play with Joel Embiid, one of the best bigs in basketball or go to Houston and play with CP three. Um, there's no guarantee it, it's LA. Um, so I think that they're wise to be looking in other areas too, and thinking about different paths because look, man, like Polinka and Magic Johnson, they, they want to be there for a long time. And so it's not about just the three, four X amount of years that you have with LeBron. Well, and the the other interesting thing is, as you have mentioned, it's way easier to stay in the East and and get yeah. there. I, I mean, Boston is the one; they'll they're the hurdle. Yeah. Whereas in the in the Western Conference, you know, there's just so many games, uh, you know, throughout the season uh, that you're playing in the Eastern Conference that you can coast and win. 
You know, we, we've talked about this before, though, Chris. It's like, yeah, the East is an easier path to the finals. Like, no doubt about it. Like, Boston's the team to beat. Whereas in the West, you got to get through this whole gauntlet. Like, there's no easy out in the playoffs. You know, even Portland's going to be challenging. New Orleans with AD. Maybe Boogie comes back and he's healthy. There's no, there's no easy out in the Western Conference, especially if you're, like, not the one seed. If you're the one, maybe you get an easier opponent. But probably not. Minnesota's tough, too. They get Carl Towns and Jimmy Butler and maybe Andrew Wiggins gets it's better anyway but but the, the reward is greater in the west getting through that gauntlet if you're the team that if you don't even allow golden state to get to the freaking finals you know what i'm saying like if you don't yeah. even allow that team to get there when they're when they're proclaimed like the greatest dynasty ever like like you said tom haverstroh put out that stat saying how they're, they're the winning this team over a four-year period ever in nba history if you don't allow that team to get to the finals, I think that's a significant plus on your legacy that you can't get in the East when you're just getting through like the Indianas of the world in the first round, which are good teams, good teams, don't get me wrong, and the Milwaukee second round, Boston Eastern Conference Finals. If you're LeBron and you're playing for the Lakers or even the Rockets for that matter, and you're going to the NBA Finals, you're not allowing Golden State to get there, and then you're facing this really great Boston team and your old nemesis on Kyrie Irving leading that squad. I don't know, man. Uh, to me, like there's there's significant reward in taking the, the tougher path, that challenge of the West, and bringing back a team like the LA Lakers back to the glory days. Um, I, I think that would be a, a, a big, 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 big thing for his legacy. There was at least some people, I think it was Kenyon Martin a couple of weeks ago, that brought up the Knicks um, to, to do the King <laughs> of New York and, thing. And, and obviously, Cantor, pe- Cantor did too. <laughs> well, and people are drawing the pair, uh, drawing the line to him and Fisdale, which him, they are very close. Um, and so the Fisdale's the coach there. And so that may give them an opportunity that they wouldn't necessarily have had otherwise based upon their organization. And also, as we know, monstrous market as you are now moving to the next phase of your life. Um, New York and LA clearly are the best to be in when you are getting involved in the entertainment industry, which he appears to be uh, very involved in already. Executive producing shows and whatnot. Yeah, LeBron's, um, look, it, it's it's like Mav Carter said in a Rich Eisen interview earlier this season. He he mentioned how, you know, it doesn't the market size doesn't matter for LeBron. Like, wherever he goes, LeBron James is LeBron James. He can work his business interests from anywhere in the world with the technologies of today, of Skype, whatever, FaceTime. Like, you can have face-to-face uh, business conversations or business negotiations no matter where you are in the world. And it's true. Um, but certainly, I, I think... Like the one thing we didn't touch on, Chris, is the family factor. Right. Um, where do they want their kids to go to school for high school? Where, where, where does his wife Savannah want to live? Like those are certainly factors. Um, and, and look, L.A. They they live there during the summers. Cleveland they've lived there during the season. They lived in Miami. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. All all I know is from someone who moved to Los Angeles in January. It really is a beautiful place. Like I really love LA. I really love California. And um, if I were, <laughs> if I were probably Bronny James, I'd probably want to go to California. Um, I'll, I'll, if I were a kid, I'd want to move here. If I knew, if I knew how beautiful this place was. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We will see, man. I still think Lakers are certainly the favorite because of the 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 fact they already live here and the fact that Lakers have immense flexibility to form and create a team. Like you're not joining something that already exists like with Houston or Philadelphia. And what has LeBron does? He's always shaped his own team for the most part when he's gone to a new place and LA can do pretty much anything. If he wants to play with a young point guard and Lonzo Ball, he can. If he doesn't want to deal with that circus, with their, their ball in the family TV show and LeVar Ball, guess what? Lakers are going to say, see you later, Alonzo, and they're going to trade him for some type of package that brings in another player that can help the LA Lakers. And maybe that's not for the best long term, but I tell you what, you're going to do whatever it takes to bring LeBron there. I agree with you, and I agree with the odds. I think he's going to end up being a Laker. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it and talk about Kawhi Leonard. But before that, I want to tell you about Sonos. I've got the Sonos Playbase, and it slides right under my TV in my entertainment center. 
and you want to talk about filling the room with sound when it comes to watching a game when it comes to listening to music on that thing that i want to have going throughout the house the sound on this thing is absolutely unbelievable i love my sonos the home theater allows you to move your tv sound to other parts of the home so i can take the audio from whatever game i'm watching and if i got some stuff to do around the house um I can just turn it on in every room. And so what's playing from my play base uh, in my living room can play throughout the entire house. And the Sonos Ones are the speakers that I've got. I've got one in my kitchen and I've got one in my bedroom. And so... I can turn on music, I can turn on games, whatever it may be, connect straight through my Wi-Fi, and I control it all from my phone. I absolutely love it for epic surround sound. And Father's Day is coming up, and Sonos and Spotify have you covered. Go to fathersday.sonos.com to get a code for 15% off when you create a custom Spotify playlist you can send to dad. Simply select your favorite artist in the year you were born and then do the same for dad. And bam, Spotify will generate the perfect playlist to bridge the generation gap. Go to fathersday.sonos.com and get 15% off when you create your playlist. The playlist generator expires June 17th and terms and conditions apply. The other top five player that very well may be wearing an, another jersey next year is Kawhi, Kawhi. He was the subject of possibly the Kawhi. most bizarre of all stories throughout this year. Um, and given their organization and that market might have gotten, well, certainly got less attention than a, a top five player and such a bizarre story would normally get. Um very good article by Adrian Wojnarowski about the heart to heart that needs to be had with Kawhi Leonard and uh, Greg Popovich. Now, one of the most fascinating things of that article is actually Popovich news, which is the first that I at least have remembered in in print in a story of this magnitude. It was the thought that. Greg Popovich is not for long there. And so how does that possibly impact what Kawhi Leonard eventually does this particular offseason? And I believe it was 2020 that that there are many that believe that Greg Popovich would not coach past then with the Spurs. Well, Kawhi Leonard is obviously going to be making a decision that will be dependent on on years after 2020. And so what do you make of all of this? It is like a bizarre story that honestly, to me, stays bizarre. It's all very odd, Chris. Uh, pretty much Woj reported that Popovich could possibly, uh, this could be his last season, essentially, that the the, the odds are um, that Popovich isn't expected to coach the Spurs beyond the 2020 Olympics. And there's also the possibility that the 2019-20 season is spent traveling the NBA and traveling the world, uh, prepping for the the national team duties um, in 2020. So look, man, like there's a chance that this could be Greg Popovich last season as Spurs head coach, or it could just be two more. Um, And I wonder how much of that has to do with Kawhi. If you bring back Kawhi Leonard, Maybe you're Popovich and you want to extend your career um, and continue coaching more because you have this transcendent level player in Kawhi Leonard if it gets fixed. But guess what, man? As Woj outlined, it is a lot they got to work through. There's, there's this one paragraph in Woj's article that like there's like four or five sentences in a row that starts off with the, the words they'll have to talk about. And it's like, they'll have to talk about mental care, his relationship with the coaching staff. They'll have to talk about the willingness to offer a contract, have to talk about this, have to talk about that. Like, there's a lot they get to get through. It is, it is a a relationship on thin ice right now. And San Antonio could work it out. Pop did last summer with LaMarcus Aldridge. But Kawhi Leonard is a, is a top five player, um, somebody who would be wanted by anybody in the NBA. Um so it, I think the, the fact Leonard has options, he's a one year away from being a free agent, does make things a little bit more difficult in San Antonio. This, to me, uh, right alongside LeBron, is the story of the summer. For sure. And I remember just when it all went weird was, if you recall, Ramona Shelburne, I believe it was, was in the, was in the back and at, at one of the Spurs games and talked to him. And a PR... Uh, 
uh, somebody with media relations like ran and like broke it up and like, you know, freaked out over it. And then he was never at like the arena again. He was never around <laughs> yeah. again. Right. Like, I mean, it was, it was state secrets. It was like, uh, you know, he, he talked to Ramona. She said that he was like, he was not like weird about it or whatever else. And when he spoke and then she, he was, uh, he was like, shuttled off and obviously the, the the media relations people freaked out and then it was like he was kept away completely as to never have that happen again right like as for the because like there was it couldn't control that and so the idea was like if he's not here obviously he can't speak because everybody thought it was strange that he wasn't you didn't see him around anymore through the rest of the course of the season and then obviously it was not on the bench during their playoffs it's very awkward, man. Uh, it's it's very odd that um you know it, it's tough for San Antonio. Uh, I wonder, like it, it, within the story, Chris, that uh, Woj reported that Boston made an offer for Kawhi Leonard um, prior to the trade deadline, but at the, at the at the time, San Antonio wasn't willing to entertain offers. Um, but that that'll be interesting heading into the summer if, if the Celtics were to somehow put together a package to um, appeal to San Antonio to bite. Uh, obviously, San Antonio, I'm sure, would rather deal Kawhi to the west, uh, to the east rather than the west. Um, it would be weird, like if we get Boston stacked plus Kawhi Leonard versus Golden State. Like, talk about inevitable, right? Boston Golden State in the finals, um, yeah. m- m- more so than like probably ever before. All right, I, I went back and, and pulled up the old article. I still had it uh, uh, saved. It says, on the night of March 21st, so this is March 21st, as Leonard walked through the corridors of the AT&T Center after the Spurs beat the Wizards, ESPN asked him the simplest explanation to this situation, that he was hurt and genuinely didn't feel like he could play yet was actually the truest answer. Leonard nodded, then said, I mean, why else would I not be playing? People are just looking for spin, Leonard continued. I haven't been here long. I've been here six years. The Spurs have been here way longer than that. People are going to go with that take first. They said, finally, a sneak peek into the window of his thoughts. But before Leonard could expound on it, a Spurs communications staffer who absolutely could not hear what Leonard was saying, but saw he was talking to a reporter, abruptly ended the conversation. Leonard, who subsequently declined an interview request submitted through his agent and did not respond to a personal email, would not make another public appearance at a Spurs game after that night. Kawhi Leonard, find a new slant. That, wow. that, that's the real quote. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm I mean seriously. <laughs> but I mean, that was that was March 21st. They talked to him in the hall. It gets shut down. And then he is never around again. <laughs> I mean, and, and you remember, they, they put out uh, all, like, this is just so much repairing. You remember that big story you and I talked about on the podcast? And it was like, you felt like they were throwing him under the bus. They're saying, "Listen, our doctors cleared the guy." Like, end yeah. the story. It, it's a, it's like I said earlier. It's, it's a relationship on thin ice. Yeah, and and they're gonna. There's a lot to work out. There's a lot to work out for San Antonio with Kawhi. Um, and, and look, man, it, it's like Woj said in the article. For San Antonio, they're gonna have to decide: Do we make that five year, two hundred and nine? million dollar extension offer to Kawhi this summer before like things are worked out or do you just do you bring him back um, over the course of the season which as again like as Woj said that's what history suggests the Spurs would do um, is bring him back and and over the course of the season then offer it um, heading into the summer well Um, and maybe uh, we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't bet against Popovich honestly because yeah because talk about thin ice Aldridge wanted out he wanted out like he went and said, I want to get traded. I don't like it here. And Popovich not only worked through that, he ended up having LaMarcus Aldridge be the guy that he was praising the most. And Aldridge obviously had a great season for them this past year. I mean, he was all NBA level performer. Can I play devil's advocate for a minute? Okay. So with Kawhi's weird quad injury, um, it is. I know he's 26 years old. He'll turn 27 later this month. I wonder, like, is there a universe where 
the Spurs are probably like better off trading him for just this massive trade package because maybe this quad problem doesn't go away. There's always a chance that that happens. Always a, a probability. But I wonder if there's a world in which the Spurs get this just just massive offer, like a a, a hall of future first round draft picks, a really young up-and-coming player, um, a couple other pieces that are appealing, allow them to build, right, on the fly. And the Spurs, they won. They won. How many games did they win last year? They won 47 games without Kawhi Leonard playing only nine games. Remarkable. It's not like they're not going to be competitive. So if you're San Antonio, you can still compete without Kawhi. You've proven that you can do that. Um, I wonder if there's a world in which, like, they're actually better off trading him and I'm not saying like you don't trade a top five player but I I do wonder um, maybe there's a reality somewhere where you know what like wherever Kawhi goes that quad injury is not going away I just wonder I think it's something that you probably have to consider and and I read something a couple of weeks ago and I it was it was the first time that I really considered like man you know you are this guy when he's healthy is one of the best five guys in the league certain and he very well may be um, one of the best two, uh, two way guys in the league. Okay. But I read something in, in an article where, and I just pulled this up as you were talking. It said that Anthony Davis has played more NBA games than Kawhi Leonard. And I was like, there is absolutely no way. And I went and pulled it. And sure enough, he has. And he came in the league a year later. And wouldn't you say Anthony Davis has been riddled with the knock that he is always injured, right? Yeah. Like people think that Anthony, like, and obviously he's had a million minor injuries, but I think that that's certainly been uh, one of the narratives on Davis through his career. People do think of him as a guy that like is always injured. And then to think, that he came in the league at uh, in 2012, and Kawhi came in the league in 2011, and Anthony Davis has played 410 games, and Kawhi Leonard's played 407. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is incredible. Yeah, and the other factor there is Anthony Davis has been one of the game's best players for four consecutive seasons now, whereas Kawhi, it's been more two. Um, yeah. Like Anthony Davis has sustained success for a much longer period of time, whereas for Kawhi, it was really in that 2014-15 playoffs where he really burst onto the scene. Um, but then in 15-16, that he elevated his play to another level over the full season. Then obviously he had a tremendous playoffs. And then 16-17 is obviously when he got the MVP votes, averaged 28, nearly 28 points per game, eight rebounds, five assists in the playoffs. Um, look, man, like Kawhi Leonard is one of the game's best players, but he also hasn't sustained success for more at, at an elite, elite level where he's a consensus top five player. He's a great player prior to that, but he still has only been doing it at that level for two years. Well, and it's one of those things, like when you were playing the devil's advocate, you do wonder, you know, you you commit all of this money to him. One of two things happened last year. Either he's very badly injured or he failed. <laughs> like there's only two ways about it, right? There's I I buy that that the quad was bothering him in ways that maybe the Spurs just didn't read. I buy it. Because I don't think you sit out the whole he sat out all but nine games. Well, that's Chris. what he said. He said, why you, would I not be playing? Yeah, and you're not going to sit out the season unless there's something wrong. Whatever it is, whether whether it was like the yips, he, he like there was a problem that was like just in his head, or whether it was actually a physical issue, there's definitely something going on. There's no way you sit out all but nine games over the course of the season. Um even if you just have a grudge, you're, I, I don't I can't imagine that like you would sit out because of that. And by the way, I just want to clarify like I felt I felt like I was slandering Kawhi Leonard. Like he's only been elite for two years. Like he, that's okay. He's only twenty seven years old. Later this month, like he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. My my point is that Anthony Davis has sustained success at that level for a much much longer period of time. Um, to me, Chris, like I'm intrigued if Kawhi does come back, whether it's in San Antonio or somewhere else. I wonder if there's another gear, another level that he can reach. Because what we saw in those 16, 17 playoffs with him averaging 28, 8, and 5, that was on another level 
from what you see over the course of the regular season when his minutes are managed a little more, um, when the usage isn't there as much. There's certainly another level to Kawhi, and I, I, I do wonder if he can sustain that over full seasons into the playoffs. If he can, might be the best player in basketball. The other thing is... Is he what? How how much does he benefit from playing where he plays, right? Because we we have really they have never really lost a star, you know. We've never we never saw Tony Parker playing somewhere else. We never saw Manu Ginobili playing somewhere else. We never saw Tim Duncan playing somewhere else. We have always seen periphery guys. They're role players. We have seen in other areas, and sometimes they're. Corey Joseph, and sometimes they're Jonathan Simmons, and sometimes they're Marco Bellinelli. I mean, we have seen periphery guys for them play elsewhere. What we have not seen is one of their most successful, or certainly their, you know, their best guy, or one of their best guys play elsewhere. And that would be fascinating to see. What is Kawhi Leonard? What, what what's his level of success in a different jersey? Is he? Is he a guy that averages even more than what he does with the Spurs because he's playing within a team function? Is he a guy that I I, I just don't know. I well, really don't. Well, that's, I, what, that's they, what I mean. Like, we, yeah, we, the like, Spurs do maximize their guys. Well, I feel. Well, I know. I mean, I almost mean it the other way. Like in that, in some of these playoff runs, we've seen him in a go-to scoring role where, in because of the nature of the playoffs, ball movement gets stagnated, the game slows down, you're forced into isolations. We we have seen Kawhi take on that go-to scoring role. We've seen him take on a, a, a uptick in playmaking responsibility. Um, I do think there's more to Kawhi's game, and it's like with Kyrie Irving last summer. Kyrie wanted to leave LeBron. He wanted his own team. There's a number of other factors, too, but at, at the core, he wanted to lead his own team, and maybe he's not going to get that in Boston because uh, of everybody else they have on the roster, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, et cetera. But with Kawhi, Look, man, like there, there. He might feel like there's more to my game. There's more that I can do. There's more that I can show. I can be a tw- a thirty point per game scorer. Put me in. Put me in James Harden's role and watch what I can do. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, listen. You don't have to tell me. I was in person when he was last super healthy. I was in person and I watched the guy in Game Four of the Spurs Grizzlies series. He was fourteen of thirty. Seven of ten from three, eight of eight from the line. He dropped forty three, and it was like I was watching friggin' Jordan. Like he was unstoppable, Kevin. There's nothing you could do with him. He's so good, so I mean, good. He, I mean, he he is he has taken his game, especially in the pick and roll, to a another level um, yeah. over over the years at San Antonio. Like uh, his development there. I mean, across the board, obviously he's developed into an amazing player. But pick and roll, he's come so far. Yeah, well, I mean, look, that last playoffs that he appeared in, these are his these are his totals. 32, 37, 18, 43, 28, 29, 21, 34, 26, 16, 22, and 26. In the game that he got hurt, game 1 against Golden State, he had 26 points in 23 minutes. Man. <laughs> so he was on pace for another what? 40 plus that night. He's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. He's so, an unbelievable player, dude. That's why yep. for San Antonio, this is so difficult because, yes, there's uncertainty moving forward. As we talked about, um, Dick, you don't know if the problem ever goes away. Yep. Um, then, then there's the fact that, like, you could always sign him to an extension. Then a year from now, he could be like, you know what? I want to be traded. <laughs> yep. like you could always demand a trade a year from now. Um, that's always a possibility, too. But you got to do everything in your power to fix it because he is a transcendent level player who is only going to be 27. He could have another 10 great years ahead of him. Let me ask you about a couple of the coaching news because they have happened since we last spoke. And it had the Raptors hired Nick Nurse, and that happened yesterday. And then we, since we last spoke, the Pistons made it official and they hired Dwayne Casey. One thing, one thing on Nick Nurse, like that, that's not official, official. It's like, I, I believe it was just reported by Woj and they're like working out details. You can't get more official than that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had you know I've had executives in the in the NBA tell me they found out stuff from Woj before, like through the league wire or someone like in the in the respective front of like they get they people in the league get it from Woj. <laughs> it's I, I love Woj. It's yeah. unbelievable. All right, so let's assume that that report is correct. 
and that Nick Nurse is going to be the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, and the Pistons hired Dwayne Casey. This is so reminiscent. Um, it's almost like I'm having deja vu because once upon a time I covered a coach in Lionel Hollins who was, who went to the Western Conference finals, set a franchise record for wins, and then his contract was not renewed, um, because of disagreements between him and front office ownership, et cetera. On the other hand, they then brought in and elevated Dave Yeager and this and, and, and Lionel Hollins got hired by the Brooklyn Nets where then that was like the end of the line, right? Nobody was going to win with the Brooklyn Nets at that time. You have almost that identical situation where you have a team that was very successful and they're not bringing in somebody new. They're bringing somebody in that has been around, that already has a relationship with the guys on that roster. And I suppose in an, in an effort to, uh, you know, keep continuity, right? Not change out everything that you're doing and yet the the assistant coach moves over a chair and then Dwayne Casey who we knew was going to get a job he gets a job that they say right much like they did like the Nets do with Lionel Hollins big contract a lot of money and it's like we're going to stick with you through thick and thin and that Pistons job I think you would agree is is difficult right difficult in terms of who knows how long it's going to take? And everybody always says they're going to have patience at the beginning, but rarely do. What do you make of the nurse hiring? What do you make of the Casey hiring? I mean, it's it's great for Dwayne Casey that he was able to get a gig uh, immediately with the, the Detroit Pistons. Um, obviously, uh, maybe it works out. Uh, I think Blake Griffin uh, with that roster his health, obviously, like this is stating the obvious here. His health is paramount to their success moving forward. If he manages to stay healthy for 65 to 75 games per season and gets back to the level that, you know, y- you hope that he can reach as a playmaking big man, um, throw down lobs occasionally, they could be pretty good. They could be. I'm not well, sure. I think, uh, you know, you, you, you listen, we're obviously counting on something that maybe shouldn't be counted on. But I think if Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond, if you told me that they're going to be healthy for 60-plus games, that's a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, what is it, though? It's a 6, 7, 8 seed in the East, which isn't saying much at all. I mean, right. like the, ceil- the ceiling for that team is so low. It, it's it, it's 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 such a low ceiling. Like you, you like even someone who's five foot ten needs to lean over in, in order to get get in that door. Maybe maybe hey, maybe for, maybe it's a Luke Kennard breakout. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, that's a that's a rough situation for the Detroit Pistons. But then for Toronto, even for them, like two two years from now, like depending on what happens, the next two with Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry, that could become a rebuilding situation in three years. Um, but it may, maybe that's when the job's a good job because they have some young talent on their team. It'll be a place to build up from. Um, but Nick Nurse, all indications are is that he's an accomplished coach. Um, he certainly is. He's coached around the basketball world in the British Basketball League. Uh, he coached there for quite a long time, coached in the G League, in the D League, before it was the G League, um, with the Iowa State Cyclones, um, and then with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. He's been around, man, and and he was really the guy who pushed for the offensive changes for the Toronto Raptors this past season. And as Zach Lowe reported um, with an article over the course of the year, he actually pushed for those changes a couple of years ago when he was first hired, and it didn't happen until now. So maybe things would be different for Toronto had those changes happened in the past. Um, all indications are Nick Nurse is a really, really good coach, and I'm glad he gets an opportunity. All right, let's move on to the NBA draft, which is just about a week away. I know you love the draft, and this is getting, this is now becoming silly season when it comes to the draft. And I say that because over the weekend, I've been doing a ton of draft prep and I've been talking to all manner of people around the league. And I said, someone said to me, who knew I love Marvin Bagley and, and, praying that he can drop the number four where the where the <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies could take him, uh, said, uh, so what are you thinking? And I said, I think it'll probably go Aiton, and then the Kings will take Bagley, and then Atlanta may take Jackson, and then you'll have a Luka decision to make. Um, and it'll come down to Luka and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm kind of like saying that. And the person said to me, you sure Porter's not going to go too? And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, Kings like Porter. I was like, really? 
And and it's the first I really thought of it. We said going into this thing, he was the immense wild card um, because he clearly hurt himself by playing. The unknown is always greater than the unknown when the known wasn't good. And his appearances with Missouri, in my estimation, were a mistake. If you were simply only going off of what his accomplishments were in high school, it's much it's it's a it's a much different narrative on him. And I think it's probably more a consensus that he should be one of the top, you know, three picks no matter. Um, but he did. He did play and he did not look healthy when he did play. Um, at the combine, he said, basically, I played against all of these guys and I was better than all of them. No disrespect to everybody. And you go and look, and his accomplishments are his accomplishments. I mean, he's Gatorade Player of the Year. He is National Player of the Year. He's McDonald's All-American MVP. The other guys that have done that are like Alonzo Mourning, Chris Webber, and LeBron. Like You're talking like Hall of Fame level players. And so his accomplishments prior to that debacle at Missouri were unbelievable. And so now we fast forward, and it's like, all right, are we going to throw out completely what happened in Missouri? And I'm, I'm not saying throw out the back injury because that has to be clear. But <laughs> throw, if you feel, throw out the back, no, yeah, pun, if no you pun feel, intended. Yeah, right. If you feel <laughs> confident in his health in terms of just talent, could you foresee a circumstance where, in fact, yes, he does go number two? For sure. I mean, I, I reported before that Kings like Marvin Bagley and Michael Porter. And I think Michael Porter was probably the guy that they would have been targeting had they not won the lottery and ended up with a number two pick. I think with Sacramento, that's one of the reasons why they're at least considering trading down, depending on what offers are available, because maybe you can get Porter a little bit later um, in the lottery. Um, I think Chicago is a team at seven um, that they're also interested in Porter, from what I've heard. Um, so maybe you go down to five, or you go down to six, and you're right ahead of Chicago when you get them there. Or maybe you flip spots with Chicago and they get somebody else at two. Who knows? Um, but I do think Porter is on their radar. To me, Chris, what I'm intrigued by is you're you're worried about Bagley dropping to the fourth spot. If somebody does trade up to two, I wonder if it's for Luka Doncic or Jaron Jackson. I wonder who the guy is that they're actually trading up for because, look, we're doing all these mock drafts and we're figuring out like what order their guys are going to go. But this this draft, I think there could be a lot of trading and that's going to shake up everything. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you about the most likely to drop, okay? If we say that, um, and I suppose like a Wendell Carter or somebody else could end up in the top six, you just never know if it's a guard, possibly a Trey Young or a Colin Sexton. Um, but it, the, the the consensus, at least up to this point, has been uh, DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, and then most have had Bamba in the top five, Okay. So let's throw Porter in there. Let's accept that he is in there. Of those guys, Aiton, Doncic, Jackson, Bamba, Bagley, Porter. Because uh, Oh, and Bamba's getting a lot of talk recently too, right? As a guy that could go maybe even higher than some projections have had, which is amazing considering he's always been projected pretty much in the top five guys. If one of those drops, if one of those does the Justice Winslow and ends up, He's still available at 10. Who is it? Um, what, were the, what were the names again? <laughs> Aiton, Doncic, Jackson, Bamba, Bagley, Porter. Aiton, Doncic, so basically like the whole top five? Correct, the it, six. I, I, I threw, uh, you know, there has been a consensus top five. I'm throwing Porter in there and making it six. Um, Porter. <laughs> Port, Porter, I think, would be. Um, so he still remains the total wild card to you. He could go two and he could go 10 and it wouldn't surprise you. Um, 10 would surprise me. 10 would, I, I think, uh, cause the Knicks like him at nine. <laughs> um, I'm not sure any of those guys fall like Justice Winslow to be totally real with you. Interesting. I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced any of them would. I could see yeah. team. I, well, I know for certain there are teams that like Wendell Carter more than Mo Bamba. So, I mean, that can be, right? Like, I mean, that can happen. Wendell Carter's really good, man. I feel like he's he's been so underrated through this yeah. whole process. I have him ranked fifth ahead of Marvin Bagley, which you probably think is nuts. But 
I, I've talked to some people in the league that are like, no, it's not nuts. We feel the same. No, yeah. Here's what, here's what I'll tell you, Kev. I, no, I don't think it's insane. I, I am sold on Bagley and his level of success that he will have on the next level. But I also think Carter's going to be good. So you know, you know what it kind of reminds me of is the Horford Noah thing. Carter Carter is so underrated athletically. I I he has been slandered so much saying oh he's a plotting big he he can't move his feet he's not an elite athlete it's like sometimes I'm wondering like are we watching the same dude it's like no he's not like this lightning quick guy oh god but I would encourage anybody there there are uh, you know how many one Saturday I sat down you know how many videos I watched of him from like high school and AAU where it was like Wendell Carter versus and there's a Wendell Carter versus uh, DeAndre Ayton, and there's a Wendell Carter versus. I mean, this guy was a freaking animal. <laughs> I mean, he was so good. And, and, and so guess good. What, and guess what? We would have seen more of that had Marvin Bagley not uh, switched into the class and gone to Duke to mm-hmm. play alongside him. And that's like obviously not not that's not a knock on Marvin Bagley at all. It's just the fact that Bagley was an unbelievable college player. He was fantastic last season for Duke on the offensive end of the floor. But had he not been there, Carter would have had more opportunity to show off his skill, especially like his passing is really really good. Um, but but yet he only averaged two assists per game. Um, he, he has more to more to his scoring. He's a good shooter. He can space the floor to three. Man, like I just feel like Carter is the guy that people are gonna look back and be like, yeah, you know, how did he fall to seven? How did he fall to eight? Um, Carter's good. Carter's well, I was really talking good. about their relative high school ability, and I went back and pulled all of the recruiting rankings. Like, so let's take college out of the mix, and let's just say all of these guys are are lined up, um, and there's. Uh, clearly hundreds of thousands of kids that play high school basketball. And these have been established as the best ones for a long amount of, for, for a long time, Marvin Bagley and, and Michael Porter were numbers one and two in every ranking. Okay. And for the most part, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it, it closely mirrors the mock draft stands to reason um, with the one and dones. So you're talking, guess who's in the top 10 of recruiting rankings, Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter, Mo Bamba, DeAndre Ayton, Colin Sexton, Wendell Carter, Jaron Jackson, like all of those guys are listed, okay? So I went through and I tried to find out, okay, of all of these guys, is there any, who are the, who are the ones that were not, uh, that are not super high on any of these mocks? Oh, this is good. But might have been yeah. considered very high in the NBA, or, uh, that might have been considered very high in high school. And so the one guy that I landed upon, and I think you know what I'm going to say, is Trayvon Duvall. So every recruiting ranking had Trayvon Duvall as one of the six best players in that class. So they lined up every friggin' high school player in the country. Ahead of your guy, Colin Sexton. Yes. Every high school player in the country. And they said, this guy, by the time we get to six, he's off the board. (laughs) And then he goes to Duke. It's not like he went to, right? It's not like he went to some school uh, and, and like they didn't make the NCAA tournament and he didn't, right? Like, and it just went all wrong. Um, and his, you know, he had mediocre numbers, not spectacular by any means. Um, but he was considered one of the six best players in that entire class. He is the only one. That it doesn't match up with. You look at the mock drafts and they're all almost virtually the same names. They went to college for a year and now look where they're ranked. When we're talking about the NBA draft, they're going in this order. And yet Trayvon Duvall on most prospect lists or mock drafts is listed roughly around 50, which... I will tell you, there's no chance he goes that low. None. One of these teams is going to take a flyer much higher than that. Sure. I I think there's a chance Duval does go higher. So what do you Um, make of that? What I I make of it is something similar to Adam Silver mentioned before, where it's like traditionally like the top high school players end up being the top draft picks in the NBA. It's the truth. Uh, It really always has been the truth. And and this year, it especially is um, the RSCI, the average rankings that that take from rivals, from ESPN, from Scout. um, The average rankings are 
usually pretty good. Like this year, uh, only besides Duvall, you know, you have Mitchell Robinson who will go a little bit lower because of his weird situation. Brandon McCoy will go lower. Jared Vanderbilt will go lower because of his injury concerns. Um, But then you have certain guys who rise. Those are always the interesting ones to me. Trey Young was 20th. Shea Gildas-Alexandra was 30th. And both of those guys will be lottery picks. Well, I uh, went back and looked at Donovan Mitchell, and he was 30 to even uh, – he was much lower on ESPN's list. Um, but I think the highest is around 30-something for, for Mitchell two years ago or a couple years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, Mitchell was – these are his rankings. 44, 43, 17, 31, 13, 35. Prep Stars, that website, had him 13th, and then Scout had him 17th. Um, So every other outlet had him between 31 and 44. Uh, Talk about a riser. Yeah, so uh, let's get to the Duvall thing. Everyone agreed he's one of the top six players. Yeah, but he can't shoot. Like, like you're like with the high, with the high school rankings, you're you're ranking the best high school players. I you're not necessarily ranking the the best NBA players three years from now or two years from now. You're ranking like these are the best high school guys, and usually the best high school guys are the best college guys, and usually the best college guys are the best NBA guys, but not always. Like Duvall can't shoot. He he's not a shooter at this stage of his career. He's he's working with a shooting coach, um, calling from shot mechanics uh, on improving his, his jumper, and we'll see if that works. But at Duke, he couldn't shoot twenty nine percent from three, fifty nine percent from the free throw line with clunky mechanics off the dribble. Yeah, it's he's got a the free throw. It's the, the 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 three thing doesn't bother me. The free throw line does. The, for the, for the three <laughs> the three's got to though, because if you're a point guard, like, and this is we talked about this, I think. Yesterday, when we recorded the video, me and Danny Chow with Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, one of the most important skills for a a primary ball handler is the ability to shoot off the dribble, the ability to create. And with Duvall, he can create, he can get to the lane. He has really good ball handling skill, but with that, you also need the ability to shoot. And that's going to be the key for him. If he develops his shot, Chris. I'll tell you what, like, there's a real high percentage chance he's one of the steals in this draft. Well, that's the thing you can. That's why I look at it and say he will go much higher than that because it is the thing you can fix, right? There have been a bunch of guys. I've covered, I can't tell you how many I've covered but, but over the years. will he, though? Like, will he? I don't, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Like, like if, you're, if you're a team, are you really going to draft a guy who needs to improve his jumper over a point guard like Jalen Brunson or, or like somebody who's proven to do it? Are you going to draft him over, I don't know. I don't know. A- Anthony, upon, Anthony hey, Simons? I, I don't know. I'll tell you know. this. Once upon a time, one of the guys that we spent probably 30 minutes of this podcast talking about was a guy that, quote, can't shoot. And that's Kawhi Leonard. So it can't happen. I don't know, man. Kawhi, look, Kawhi. He couldn't shoot. Uh, he, no, it's not that he couldn't shoot. Like, let's. The guy who can't shoot is Ben Simmons. I, I remember. I remember. I remember a couple. Of, I remember a couple of years ago. I got. I got in the same like semantics argument with uh, somebody from. I think I forget if it was a Boston sports talk radio show or TV, and it was about like Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons, and they're like Jalen Brown can't shoot. Jalen Brown can't shoot. These are his numbers, and I'm like, no, 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 no. He can shoot. He's just not a good shooter, right? Ben Simmons is the guy who quote unquote can't shoot. With Kawhi, like. He was a good free throw shooter. Like it's not like he shot fifty percent from the free throw line at San Diego State. He shot six. He shot seventy six percent as a sophomore, seventy four percent total. It's not like he couldn't shoot. He could shoot free throws at a at a slightly above average level. Um, but he just couldn't shoot threes, and okay. that, that's what develops. Uh, let me let me ask you about Sorry. the Mo, the I, Mo Bamba <laughs> stuff because he's he's moved up because I do want to be able to touch on a few other things before Bamba. we got to get out of here. Yeah, at what point? Um, and I know you're a quote Bamba believer. I watched the video that you and you and Simmons were talking about him. Um, yeah, and, I'm a, I'm a believer. He's a he, you're I'm ba- a Bamba. I'm ba- I'm believer. I don't know. I don't know if that. Bomb bomb I'm, try, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to do the believer no, thing. No, like, like just, the, just I like Bomb believer. Bomb believer. So you are a you're the captain of the bomb believer team. Um, at what point do you think it's insane if you take if you take Mo Bamba over blank? It's insane. I I I I realize this is like a cop out answer, but it's it's not like I 
I don't know if it's insane to take him over DeAndre Ayton. I don't. I don't think what? it's insane. Really? I and you're, and you're I, Mr. Ayton. I don't think it's insane. Like insane's a strong word. Like that's saying like you're nuts. Like you, you know, I'd I would fire him today. Like that's the level of like why would you do that? I don't. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I think it would be certainly a significant risk, but I don't think it's insane if somebody looks at a seven a seven footer with a seven foot ten, ten wingspan who can shoot threes and roll, who's smart off the court, a really good guy. If you if you want to take that guy ahead of somebody else, I don't think that's insane. Uh, I think it would be a risk, and I, I wouldn't do it, but I don't think it's insane. No. Okay. The other one that has moved up and has gotten a lot of talking. <laughs> you and I actually talked about this uh, yesterday. Um, via text was Kevin Knox because Kevin Knox, yeah. I brought him up on this very podcast a couple of weeks ago as a guy that I, when I was watching all of this stuff and going back, I thought, boy, could he be that guy when you're getting how many late lottery guys, obviously when you're talking about Mitchell last year and we've talked about Kawhi and Giannis and Devin Booker and all manner of guys, you get to that, you know, late lottery, middle of the first round, and there's been steals there a ton a ton of times. Paul George, I mean, you can go on and on. And so you try to kind of look at who's kind of projected around that range, and Knox was one that stood out to me because I think you can watch him and see, you can, I look at it and go, all right, I could see him becoming a star because of, the size, the agility, how good he is with the ball. And then there is this sentiment that he played out of position. Um, And maybe it didn't maximize whatever Kevin Knox is going to become. And this was the thing with Booker, right? This is why Devin Booker goes in the middle of the first round is because nobody saw it as a guy that one day is going to score 70 points in an NBA game. Right? <laughs> like nobody, you, 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 if I would have told you the week before the draft, Devin Booker is going to score 70 plus points in an NBA game, you'd be like, shut up, right? Like <laughs> if anybody thought he was capable of that, he sure as hell ain't going 13 or whatever he went. And so Knox is kind of, and I know it, it, it you know, also he's got the Kentucky thing, um, in relation to Booker, but I look at it and I go, here's a guy that was super highly thought of in high school. Um, I think it's reasonable for people to say maybe it wasn't maximized. Maybe he was out of position, whatever else. And so when I go back and watch some of the high school stuff, I'm mega impressed with the guy. Um, what do you think? I kind of buy this Kevin Knox being the wing that moves up because I think wings are going to move up. I think it's impossible to watch those NBA playoffs and, think that wings may not be the most important thing going in the NBA right now. You know, every year, Chris, when I do rankings, uh, this year I did a little bit differently. I didn't rank anybody until it came time to have to rank. I just had guys like lumped together in groups. Um, But at one stage, usually like early June or so around now, is when I just kind of try to like erase my, my preconceived notions of these guys. And Kevin Knox is somebody... With reevaluating him, usually you go back and like you you look back and it's like okay, my evaluation was sound. I feel good about this. But then sometimes you look back and you're like, man, I I really underrated this guy for this reason or that reason. And Kevin Knox is that guy for me this year. Um, right now in the NBA draft guide, I have him 17th in my personal rankings. Too low. I'm gonna have him ranked eight, nine, or ten whenever we update next. Kevin Knox, look, man. One of the youngest players that's going to get drafted this year, um, a skilled six foot nine guy who can shoot off the dribble, who's very nimble off the dribble. Somebody who, when he's locked in defensively, is versatile. Not much of a passer, not much of a rebounder. But look, man, like if you're projecting ahead with his scoring prowess and his finishing ability, there's a chance I think that he could end up if we're picking like a quote unquote steal of the draft. Knox could be it um, with his youth and his scoring skill um, and projecting forward. um, I think there's a chance that he could definitely be one of the steals in the draft. Well, and here's the thing, Kev, I think what's happening is, you know, as, as time has gone on, people watch that Houston golden state series and people watch that golden state Cavs series. And they sit there and they go, all right, 
where do all these guys fit in? And there is a plethora of bigs at the top. Where do they all fit in in these situations? And I know you have spoken to the fact that there are a lot of teams in the playoffs that have had big guys. Um, and so you do need a big guy. But we also must admit, some of them have been able to be rendered ineffective slash unplayable. And they also are not the best guy on any of those teams, right? So the idea is you could find a guy, but what you can't find a guy is that is going to be maybe a tremendous wing scorer. And with the way the league is going now, it if he achieves whatever his ceiling is, which might be greatness, you could absolutely see exactly how he fits into any game that is played in the NBA. Any one of them, right? Whereas it's 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 hard with some of the guys. You go, where does he fit in, right? What 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 do you do if you got to play the Warriors? Like, where does he fit in in a game against the Warriors, or where does he fit in against a game against the Cavs? And so you've seen now, like I mean, look, Danny Ainge has been the guy who's super nailed it in the draft the last couple of years, and Jalen Brown, nobody, even the morning of the draft, nobody had him going that high, and he took Jason Tatum Except for me. Yeah, okay, fair saying. enough. I had, I had, uh, I, 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 I had to scratch my own back there. I had okay. to. I, right, I, I, so, I never do it. Here's, here's I, ne- a, I never do it. But I couldn't resist. Here, I couldn't because, well, like, like I said earlier, like, Danny like, H told no, you, no, <laughs> no, it, no. It, it's because like that year in the draft, like nobody in Boston wanted Jalen Brown. Like people booed the oh, pick. No. People booed the pick I know. on they draft all, night. Everybody wanted Chris Dunn. <laughs> Everybody wanted Chris Dunn, I, I remember. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think, th- do you agree with me on this? I think that's why you're seeing the Porter surge. I think that's why you're seeing the Knox surge. And then the other two guys it could possibly affect would be the Bridges kids, either Mikel sure. or Miles, because they're not point guards and they're not bigs. And so who are the best available wings? Because wings are at a premium now. And so that's why you're seeing people... Uh, You're seeing Porter and Knox um, moving up those boards. Certainly. Um, And and I'm kind of writing about this tomorrow, almost like the other side of it, Chris, you know, in terms of the the size of the wings and the forwards. I think the other other side of it is like Trey Young is so small. (laughs) Like he is really, really small. He'll, He'll be one of the smallest starting point guards in the NBA. And we saw in the playoffs, teams are just relentlessly attacking the smallest matchup on the other side, whether it's Damian Lillard or Terry Rozier, who is a good defender, by the way, Um, whether it's Steph Curry, teams are trying to attack the small guy on defense because of the the nature of the switching scheme. You're able to pick out any matchup you want. Um, And plotting bigs have obviously have, have disintegrated. They don't have a role in today's league, the perimeter league that we have today. But also small, small guys um, can be liabilities. Um, and, and I do think that could potentially explain the rise of a Kevin Knox or Michael Porter or Bridges, as you said. Kevin, I cannot wait for draft class and I can't wait for the NBA draft, which is a little over yeah, a week from baby. today. Uh, NBA season is all wrapped up, but hopefully we'll be able to pump one of these out uh, once a week throughout the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And then after the draft, we'll have Summer League right around the corner. It's, go- it's going to be a really, really fun ride. I think, you know, for after the finals, Chris, finals only four games wasn't the most exciting. But I think these next couple of weeks with the draft and all the movement that could happen within the draft, heading into free agency with LeBron and Kawhi stuff and Paul George, like this is going to be so fun, dude. I'm so excited for the next couple of me- weeks. I agree with you. It's going to be an amazing offseason to say the least. Kevin, I'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, brother. See you later, Chris. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes and we will talk to you next week. Hey!